Hey everybody, welcome back to the Next Move podcast. And if this is your first time on the show, we are a podcast that shares the stories of impact and change in India. And today I'm lucky enough to have Vinay Dora with me, who is a founder of a company called Crowd Product. And what they're doing is they're helping conferences and events create more engagement and helping them move online through their platform. So I think what they're doing is, is really incredible. And it really shows that in a COVID world that we're seeing, a lot more of our events are going to be moving online and they are enabling a better experience for this. So I'm very happy to have you on, Vinay. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Arman, for having me here. Really excited. And I've seen a lot of your past podcasts and you had some compelling speakers and content there. Thank you for making this. Of course, of course. I'm, I'm very happy to have you on, Vinay. And uh, let's just start off with your background. Uh, where did you grow up? And how did that lead you to eventually starting Crowd Product? Yeah, so there's something that I tell a lot of my friends and uh, people I know well. Uh, when you start something, it's always a reflection of something that you have done when you were very young. Something that you liked, something that you learned, something that you were inspired from. So my early childhood, as in your case as well, has been spent in Southeast Asia, uh, in Bangkok, Thailand, uh, where I'm not sure if it was uh, encouraging teachers or my inspiring parents or peer groups or just that I was interested in a lot of things, uh, you know, and I had a lot of opportunity to explore who I was, what I liked right from uh, the real learning, hands-on learning with teachers to extracurricular, co-curricular uh, things that one is exposed to in school. And I was very fortunate in that way to be able to uh, grow up with a very multicultural environment. When I turned a little older in my teenage, I came back to India. And uh, in India, I was in boarding school for a few years. Um, and right after boarding, I moved to the regular Indian schooling, which was in my ninth grade, 10th grade. I saw a very stark difference when I joined uh, the regular schools in India. Uh, no offense to the regular schools in India, but it was more or less academic, where people were all competing to get into the IITs. And uh, it was very less of exploring yourself, trying out new things, right? And uh, while I was in my early schools in Southeast Asia and in boarding, it was always something that I liked doing, wanted to do, and I had an opportunity to do it. But in uh, uh, the 9, 10, 11, 12 grades in India, it was about uh, preparing yourself for the ultimate exam, right? And that's where I had a first set of setbacks. I realized that, you know, maybe this was real life, you know, studying, preparing for your exams and all of that, right? Um, I joined engineering like most other South Indians would join. <laughs> And um, uh, I, I went to a really good school, uh, a college as well. And I made a lot of friends. And uh, uh, a lot of my friends would apply and join companies like Infosys, Wipro, TCS, CTS. This was back in 2004 and five, right? I didn't want to do it. You know, I was not sure what I want to do in life, whether you know, study abroad or you know, take up something that's very different. Then they joined this company called Pressmark Media. They were into this digital replica of newspapers, magazines, online. 
and is always into media and content. So she write for newspapers, magazines, do all of that. Uh, even as a young person, I should write in these little magazines on, you know, topics. Uh, so when I joined the company, it was a startup, and I learned a lot while being part of the company. Right from online ad sales to blogging to SEO, SEM to business development to growth, and I was there for two and a half, to, uh, three years there. And then Yahoo India wanted me to join them. So in 2008, I joined Yahoo. And uh, yeah, eight to 10, I was in Yahoo. And in 2010, I realized that it was time to unlearn and relearn. So I just got outside the comfort zone, decided to do my master's in media management from uh, uh, Sweden, where uh, I did this media management master's. And more than the learning part of it, I realized that I could relate to my learning in Sweden to what I was learning when I was in Southeast Asia and at boarding school in India. You know, I could explore myself, I could connect to people, I could try out different things. Um, and I came back to India in 2013, 14, because I wanted to start up. So while I was in Sweden, I used to work for the Singapore government's VC arm called Infocom Investments. And uh, that's how I got into uh, entrepreneurship and startups. I would work closely with startups and other people. And when I came back to India, I decided that entrepreneurship was something that I should take up because this is a land of opportunity. So, uh, you know, I wanted to explore with you. Um, did you have any trepidations of starting up a company before you did it? Or were you just thinking like, you know, this is the natural progression because you know, a lot of people before they make a big move, like starting a company that involves leaving your existing organization, leaving your existing salary and taking on all the risk of doing something, you know, that may or probably won't work given the statistics. So can you talk a little bit about that, the feeling that you had before starting your company and how you kind of overcame that to actually get going? So one thing that I didn't mention about was all of this was very, very organic. Like in the Grow VC group, uh, with whom I had the Singapore government's VC contract and reaching out to startups. So I was doing that for a year, a year and a half, right? Then when I came back to India, uh, I joined a crowdfunding platform called Catapult in a co-founder's role, you know, supporting the managing director as an associate director, right? And while at it, I was also doing market research on the crowd engagement, crowdfunding uh, space. And when I was mentally prepared, when I knew the exact use case I could be part of, uh, in 2016 is when I decided to begin with uh, crowd product. So it was a real use case. So while I was in the crowdfunding platform, in the Bobby-based crowdfunding platform, I realized that in India and Southeast Asia, just an online crowdfunding platform alone was not enough. You needed an offline element to complement an online platform, right? And that's when, after leaving Catapult, we started doing a lot of events, offline events for people with startup ideas, with crowdfunding project ideas, to be able to pitch to a curated audience, be it at pubs or co-working space or wherever they wanted to pitch, and get early validation. And back then it was pen and paper. Then we started building tools that would enable more people in the audience to be able to give their feedback from their mobile phones. Then we started building things for jury experts and the regular audience. 
So everything what we are right now has been very, very organic and we have always been open to feedback. And we've always been closing the loop based on feedback. So entrepreneurs, I, what I would, I mean, if I had to tell them something, it was about uh, find a real problem and get into it very organically. You could also be in your corporate job and you could still do what you're doing, right? You don't have to just, it's not something that you do one fine day when you give up everything. And there is one more thing, just one more thing I'd like to touch upon is entrepreneurship is a team sport. And when it comes to teams in India, your family also plays a big role. So before you get the buy-in of your you know, co-founders or your investors, try and get the buy-in of your family and your brothers and sisters. If they are convinced, they need to be convinced that your Indian families are very hands-on with what their you know, daughters and sons do, right? So try and convince them, try and sell it to them, try and explain to them. And if they're convinced, uh, the other team members and the uh, investors should not be as hard. That's true. That's true. I think definitely family is the hardest people or the hardest people to convince first. Um, so I, I wanted to touch on the initial concepting bit. You were, you were talking earlier about how it came organically. But could you talk about the eventual role of a pivot? Because you guys started off as a crowdfunding company, right? And then eventually moved into this crowd engagement platform. So can you talk about the importance of a pivot? When do you know when you should be pivoting? When do you know that, okay, maybe this idea is not where I should be and I should probably start thinking about something else. And you talked about feedback. So I, I, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So I'm a big believer of the crowd wisdom. Uh, while data is great because it gives you inputs from the past, but intuition and being able to connect the dots is what will help you in the future. Right. And uh, something that I learned while observing. So one thing that I think uh, like everyone has a superpower, right? Uh, you have a lot of superpowers. Uh, something that I uh, think I have is the power of observation. So I tend to track a lot of exciting people around, right? And one thing I notice is the power of making decisions. Like when you observe people, you learn that they're able to uh, make decisions faster. Entrepreneurs need to make decisions. And decisions may not be right, may fail but you have to take decisions, right? So uh, if I give you the example of the COVID uh, period, right? Uh, while this whole period was uh, happening, we had uh, one of our events at, uh, at a college in Bangalore, uh, where your stories founder Shraddha had spoken to people out there. And we realized of the 400 people who were there, there were 100 people who turned up because of the COVID, uh, you know, it was genuine concern. and. Uh, Back then, we didn't have any of these lockdowns. Nobody knew how big this is going to be, right? Uh, but then, just by observing the audience behavior and uh, understanding that a lot of events were getting canceled, there was one of these uh, Indian Electronic and Semiconductor Associations event that was canceled. It was happening in Leela Palace, Bangalore. And I was asking the organizers, were you giving people masks? What did the uh, big speakers who were going to join, uh, were they interested? So all those inputs, insights from the audience, from these event organizers, speakers, I instantly realized that 
things weren't going to be uh, as it was before. We need to take instant decisions, right? And so after listening to the Prime Minister's talk on the 19th, I decided to go back to my uh, family and home. I decided to work from home there. Uh, and then we decided to uh, start online webinars right away. You know, in March, we began with our health and hygiene series. We got folks from uh, Swiggy and other places. And so we started very early, you know, we knew a lot of people are going to say online events wouldn't work and why not go back to offline. But we decided to focus on the online engagement part of it. And right now we feel that you know, there's a lot of learning and this is something that we want to go about doing it because there is still a lot of data points as well as uh, feedback that we get regularly. Uh, so it makes sense. And there is also a few other things that people need to look at. Uh, this, uh, there's something called steep that you get from the MBA learnings like social, cultural, technological, economic, ecological, and political trends. Right? If you're able to think on these different factors, you can make even better decisions. So some of our decisions are made on these uh, factors as well. You know, that's, it's, it's such a cool story that you guys made that pivot so quickly and have already enabled quite a few webinars and online events because that's clearly the future, right? I think, um, you know, it's funny, you and I actually met at a real life in-person event. And I remember I met you a few days, actually a week before starting this podcast. And I remember you saying like, you know, just go ahead, just do it. And I loved that event because, you know, shout out to Head Start because, you know, it's, it's that creating that culture of just doing. But, you know, I love that you guys were able to pivot so quickly and, you know, capitalize on this huge trend that's gonna be there. Um, and I wanna talk about, now you're growing that, right? And you've been having, having some webinars and you've been growing in this space. Uh, could you talk about some of the challenges that you face while scaling, whether it is getting new customers aware of what you guys are doing or, you know, actually the technological issues that come along with it? Can you just talk about the challenges and how you're overcoming them? Yeah. So if you go to our workspace in Diamond District, you would find uh, instead of the crowd product uh, logo and the name, you would find hashtag no excuses. So there are a lot of challenges that entrepreneurs and change makers and everyone encounters every single day. Uh, and uh, I tell my colleagues that there are two kinds of games that you can play. One is the blame game and the other one is a problem solving game. Uh, in entrepreneurship, you need to get into the problem solving game. Uh, so there are a lot of challenges. There are challenges of being able to educate people and make them aware of how an online virtual uh, event can be more productive and help you realize your objectives, right? To me, because some of them say, oh, you're like uh, any of the video conferencing tools. Or some of them say, oh, you're like Google Form, you know? Uh, some of them say that, and all these are very valid feedback, you know? Uh, and there's also a cultural aspect to it, you know? Uh, when I was working, say, with Western customers, it seems a lot more, easier in terms of getting a yes or a no, right? It's also a lot more uh, easier to work with them in DIY, do it yourself. Uh, here it is DIFY, do it for you, right? They look at you as an entire end-to-end -end package. 
You know, can you make their life easier? Uh, so that's how we have tweaked our product. Uh, we are educating a lot more people about uh, uh, how they could get much more from what they're doing right now. And the most important factor is to be able to listen to your customer and understand their real needs. Uh, listening is something that uh, even me, I'm trying to uh, get better at listening to people. Uh, and I hope to get even better. You know, I think that's how I would probably, or we would get more customers. So, so how are you going about that? What, what are the actual strategies that you guys are using to scale up this business right now? So uh, marketing today has become content marketing. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to create a lot of content. Uh, since we have three years of content, we're trying to repurpose the content. And uh, we also try, and since we have also worked with many partners, but content is one thing. The second thing is influencers and uh, you know, nothing like a super fan who talks about your solution. Right? Many of our customers right now are people who have been referred and recommended by other people. You know, you, you, talked, you talked a little bit earlier about the importance of building a team. And, uh, you know, in, in other podcasts, I haven't actually explored that that much. So I think it'd be great here. Could you talk about, especially for a very India-specific um, function, can you talk about the process of hiring people? How do you know whether someone that you're interviewing is actually good? How do you even reach out to people and how, how tough is it to actually bring someone on your team? Because it's, it's a huge um, investment. It's a huge engagement to make. So can you talk about the importance of team? Um, it is one thing that I learned in my uh, three, four years of working in India. It is about team and people. You know, uh, earlier, I just thought you could tell people, hey, this is a great idea. Uh, you know, this is what your role will be. This is how we'll work uh, well together. These are the tools in which we can, you know, work remotely. Uh, this is how much, uh, this is what you would get by being part of the team. Uh, but I realized that it's much more than that. You know, your team is like your family. You know, trust is key. Being open, transparent is very important, right? When you don't have something, if you are able to communicate to them very effectively, uh, uh, that is something that they appreciate, you know. Uh, I've seen many founders doing that in the COVID times, telling them that, you know, hey, we have uh, a cash crunch, you know, uh, and I'm taking this sort of a cut. Would you be willing to take uh, a percentage of cut? And uh, uh, that is something that I've been able to learn over the past three, four years about being completely transparent and straightforward to my team members, you know. Not just talk to them about work, but also talk to them about what is their life goals, what is their aspirations, right? Where would they want to be in the next few steps? So the past couple of years, I've shown, I mean, I think my team members will be able to share that with you. And I think you can also connect with them. Uh, I've tried and being more empathetic. And this has come from a background, like three years ago, I've had a few setbacks. My uh, co-founders and in personal space, you know, people, I've had to say goodbye to a few people, right? Then I realized that it was more important to understand your team better. And uh, that's what I've been working on very consciously. Uh, and so being more empathetic to your team members, 
understanding where they're coming from and where they want to go to and finding out how your company can help them reach where they want to go. And uh, I'm really grateful to some of my team members right now. They've been with us right through, even in the most difficult times they've been around. So, so that, that, you know, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, even being part of teams myself right now, it's, it's very important that, uh, you know, your manager or people that you work with can really understand how you're feeling, especially during a project, because it's, it's, unless you create that open culture of communication, it can be tough for employees to really feel either valued or that their voice is being heard. And I think, you know, that's very, very cool what you said. Um, I want to expand into one thing that I'm really interested in now with COVID and all these events, everything's moving online, like you said. Can you talk about the future of in-person events? Because will it ever be the same? How, you know, and how can we use technology to augment um, you know, online events and seminars to make it almost feel like an in-person experience? Right. Just an example of my childhood days in Bangkok again, uh, okay. where uh, we had, uh, so I tell people that I've had 25 years of events experience because my first event was when I was a seven, eight-year-old kid in our apartment. So what we did there was we would go from door to door, sell raffle tickets, and with the money we would get, we would have prizes and get the apartment folks to come to the garden and get to know each other. We had a lot of embassy folks out there and all that. So that is the offline event part of it. At the same age, I had a lot of uh, uh, Japanese neighbors and they would always be at home, as in uh, those days you had uh, Game Boy, Super Nintendo, right? They would play more of online stuff. So when people say, is it going to be completely physical or completely virtual? I think it's going to be a mix of both, right? Uh, it is nothing like in-person meeting and, uh, uh, and there will be times where people will, want, will not want to travel to uh, large distances, especially in these next few years. Right, they will not want to have the hassle of traveling and being in large crowds and all of that. Uh, so over there is where technology plays a role. So right now we're talking to quite a few large conferences in Africa, in the US and in India as well, and the Middle East too, where each of the organizers have a goal and objective. And we are trying to see how technology can fit into what they want to do. So right now we are doing a few virtual uh, reality demos for them. Like does it fit into what they're looking at? You know, the stage, the virtual booths. And for me, uh, the audience experience is extremely critical, right? So uh, I sometimes bring that in because if you want your event to be fantastic, uh, you might want to offer great experiences for your audience. It has to be easy, it has to be convenient, it has to be uh, low, uh, low-tech, high-touch, or low-touch, high-tech. Uh, so whatever the audience find easy and what makes them more participative, that's what will uh, realize results for the event organizer, right? So uh, technology has to serve the end user and all the stakeholders for making events. So whether it's VR, AR, or a physical event, tech has to complement it. Yeah, I think, I think VR and AR will play a huge role in, in every event we go to, in every mall that we go to, 
you're going to be able to try on clothes just using a headset. You know, it's so it's going to be really incredible. And I, I see that AR is playing a role in, in this call as well, because I can see your background. You know, I was I was just thinking when it started, uh, it's it's night out. How is it sunny and green? <laughs> but that's so cool because it's so seamless the way Zoom has done it that it you know it's we're able to do that now and you know i can't even imagine in the next few years how strong the quality of vr and ar are going to be and i know crowd product are going to be a huge part of that um i just want to get to the kind of concluding bit of the interview and i, and I want to ask you about yourself Vinay. um you know you've you've traveled the world uh you've worked in different places you grew up in bangkok like myself um What's the mission that you're on? Like, what do you what do you want to achieve at the end of your career? Uh, so, in terms of uh, crowd product, uh, uh, you know, uh, one thing that we have noted, and I've been at it for a long time. I've did my uh, uh, thesis on crowdfunding, right? How to get crowds into crowdfunding platforms, and uh, I've always been interested in crowds. So when I when one talks about the crowds, people think about you know, riots and stone pelting, and uh, it's not a good thing. And with the COVID thing, you know, the word crowd is used as you know, uh, people, uh, chaos, right? Uh, but I see that crowds, if they're organized well, uh, they can make a lot of difference. You know, uh, They can uh, influence decision making. They can be part of better experiences. Uh, they can uh, crowdsource wisdom, they can take actions, they can create movements that impact millions of people, right? So uh, I want crowd products to see the goodness in crowds and make use of products and technology to make it happen, right? And uh, want to compliment, there are a lot of change makers, a lot of uh, influencers, a lot of uh, even the whole event space. It's basically for a purpose, right? Uh, and uh, want to be able to offer crowd solutions for influencers, change makers to realize outcomes as a company. But the longer term uh, thing is also, can you offer rich uh, experiences uh, for people, you know, while they're right here, you know, can they have something that they can remember, you know, hey, I did this uh, conference, I got some great speakers, uh, this is a value that I had created, uh, content, community, taking takeaways, learnings. So even events can have really rich experience where everybody gets uh, a takeaway from the event. Uh, that is something that uh, Crowd Product and me personally are very excited about. That's, that's very, very cool. And I, I think, you know, again, like you said, the idea of crowd right now maybe viewed as something else but i agree you know the power of people coming together and especially online now it's going to be much more is going to be incredible um but i think that's a that's a great place to end up i think there's a lot of great takeaways that the audience are going to get from this uh, so vinay thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been it's been awesome and hope to see you soon Thank you, Arman, and uh, I look forward to more of your podcasts. Last week's was very exciting podcast. I look forward to more future podcasts, and I would ask the audience to keep tracking you more closely. 
Thank you. Thank, thank you, Vinay. And to everybody who's listening, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Next Move podcast. We're going to be releasing new stories of change and impact every single week. So make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And I'll see you in the next one.